Global Diplomacy Lab. Coffee Break. With Khaldun Asadi. The GDL is a platform for exploring new and more inclusive diplomacy beyond traditional politics. In each episode of this podcast, we want to get an insight into the work routines, perspectives on global challenges and sources of inspiration from our wonderful guests. Enjoy your coffee or whatever hot and cold beverage you prefer along the way. And please consider the show notes as they provide further information on the topics raised. Today, I'm talking to Elsa Marie de Silva. She is a social entrepreneur and founder and president of the Red Dot Foundation Global that focuses on the prevention of sexual and gender-based violence. Elsa, it's a privilege to have you on board. Kaldun, it's a privilege to be on your show. I've really enjoyed the first few episodes. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. And, you know, let's just jump right into it. As I've mentioned beforehand, Elsa, when it comes to you, there are a lot of GDL members wondering, how do you schedule your day? I mean, you know, if, if we crack this secret today, that would be amazing because for other GDL members, when, when they see what you're doing, they have the impression that Elsa is literally everywhere and she's there like 100%. So just give us an insight. What does a typical day of Elsa look like? <laughs> well, I'd like to say it's quality over quantity, but then I'm a workaholic. So Kaldun, it really boils down to a few things. One is I'm extremely organized. So if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't get done. And I'm obsessive about it. Everything, including my workout and my social calendar goes onto my calendar. And they are color coded because that helps me prepare in advance. So for example, this podcast would be color coded in a particular color. That means I have to prepare. I don't just have to show up. And then there are things that you just show up and you don't have to do any preparation. So those are all one color. And then if I have to travel somewhere because there's travel time involved, I color code it differently. So, you know, your brain starts to recognize these patterns and immediately, you know, you start kind of sorting out your day, preparing your mind and learning to go with the flow. The second thing is I don't keep anything for tomorrow. <laughs> I try to clear my inbox. Now, it's not easy. It takes a little bit of practice. So, for example, there are things, I have this rule that you don't answer on the phone, right? But sometimes things are yes and no, very clear, black and white. Get them out of the way rather than procrastinating. And the ones that you need to think and deliberate about, you star them. At least on my Gmail, I star them. So I can find them easily. I don't like folders in that sense. So everyone has their own method, but this is mine. And the stars, I try to keep them less than 10. <laughs> so, and there are no unopened emails in my inbox at any point. So I'm quite obsessive about it. But over a period of time, I feel at least when it comes to my calendar and my inbox, that's how I organize myself. Now about being seen, 
again it's about quality rather than quantity you have to learn to say no and it's very difficult i've learned over the years that i have to prioritize and uh, say no or delegate it to my other team members but there are certain things like for example gdl i try to be at as many as i can because it's a very important community not in terms of uh, importance for the kind of work they do but they are really close to my heart they are my tribe so i prioritize those events over others and then uh, of course you know which ones are important for my work for my organization and the visibility of it and being online has really helped because i could be like on this meeting with you in berlin and my next meeting could be with someone in america for example and i don't really have to travel so i think covid has made my life really simple but those are some of the tips and tricks i feel at the end of the day it's really about you finding a method to your organization of work wow i mean thank you so much for this very practical advice i take something with me as well and uh, i think a lot of listeners will too i think from the work that you are doing it is extremely necessary that you are as organized as you are because the topics that you're working on and i mean i've just mentioned the red dot foundation that's focusing on sexual and gender based violence reliability is key and just by being organized you can be as effective as possible in your work i guess and have an impact for especially the the victims on 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 sexual and gender based violence so that's a topic that's very close at your heart i guess is it a challenge that you also see globally and that you maybe want to elaborate further on it helps that i'm living my purpose so it's not just a job or a work or career for me it's my purpose i quit my career in aviation to start safe city the crowd map for sexual and gender based violence reporting and subsequently i registered a nonprofit in india red dot foundation and a nonprofit in the usa red dot foundation global and this is a very important topic like you mentioned because it's a global one it's it impacts one in three women on an average across the world so for me i feel if i don't seize all the opportunities available to me to advocate educate and make people aware i am doing a disservice to my work and when i say work it's really my mission so that's why it fuels me it motivates me it inspires me and people often ask me like you said how do you do so much but i feel when you when your head heart and gut are in sync you don't get tired of course you get physically tired and emotionally tired at times but you don't give up and you don't crib and you don't you know uh, i mean i've been in corporate for 20 years so i know sometimes you just don't want to do the stuff that you're doing but in my case i don't have a choice i feel like i have to do it and i've chosen to do it and it, it i'm in this vortex i would say where one thing leads to another to another to another but it also gives me immense satisfaction and joy which further fuels this energy that is creating you know this uh, need to be visible and seen and heard and you know make sure that the topic is on everybody's mind and um, yeah so that's what i can say it's it's really this 
cycle of energy. <laughs> yes, um, it would be great if you could elaborate further on the topic that you're working on. Because as you said, it's important that we have this topic on our mind. It it has an impact on one in three women or maybe impact is a direct impact, if you will. I mean, indirectly, it affects basically every woman. And maybe you can just give us a little bit more insight into this topic and maybe also on issues within that topic that seem to you especially important right now. Thanks for that, Kaldun. So, I started on this journey in December 2012 as an immediate response to a horrific gang rape of Jyoti Singh on a bus in Delhi. At the time, I was working, as I said, in the aviation sector. I had a long career of close to 20 years, but I was searching for my purpose. And this particular incident was like our George Floyd moment. You know, every country has these inflection points where you take a step back and you evaluate you know, how do you want to show up as an active citizen? And this was my moment where I personally, as a woman, had faced several different forms of harassment in public spaces, in transport, at the workplace, but never really reported it. And um, like me, many of my friends too had experienced it, but never reported it. And for the first time, we were all talking about sexual violence. I realized there was a data gap that existed because if you don't report it, it doesn't make it to the police statistics and therefore it won't show up in any records. So I uh, had heard about Harass Map Egypt a few months earlier, actually a few weeks earlier, and decided to replicate it to the Indian context. And uh, this was along with a few friends. And we were amazed at the outpouring of all these anonymous stories. And then I said, we need to do something about it on the ground. And we started with an experiment first in uh, Bombay and then in Delhi, where we used the data set to engage local communities to see what they felt about it, what did they want to do with the data, and how did they want to make that change happen. And that's really, Kaldun, where the magic begins for me. Because when you have the data, then people use it in many different ways, very creative ways. It doesn't cost much, actually. And you find it is also a trust-building tool to use data to have that conversation with police, civic authorities, you know, institutions that have low trust traditionally with communities. But the hardest part of my work is really getting people to report. So what is it that we are trying to do? This reporting platform, Safe City, is a web app. It's a mobile app on Android and iOS. It's globally available. You can report, whether you're a male, female, or any gender, you can report anonymously what happened to you, where did it happen, the day, the time, or approximations of either, and the category of the incident. And of course, your age and gender so that we can check the intersectionality, you know, because the more I learn about this issue, the more horrific it is, because there is so many layers to the violence. And then once you fill the primary form, which I just explained, you get nudge information that encourages you to check out the local helpline, go to the police station, check out the law, the legal references so that you can quote that when you go to the police station or even go to the hospital. We also encourage you to take a secondary form where we want to understand more about the nature of the incident itself. How many bystanders were there? Did they do anything? How many perpetrators were they known to you? 
what was the kind of location, what were the contributing factors, etc. And all of this is then featured on a map collated as, you know, hotspots, so heat maps. The more the number of incidents in a particular location, the bigger the bubble. And this data is available to anyone in an open source format, which means you can go and look at it, zoom in right up to the street level, check out what's happening near your residence or your child's school or college. And then you can decide what you want to do because now you have the data. You don't need us. You need the data to decide what is it that you want to do and how do you want to show up to end this kind of violence. And that really is what we are trying to do now. Why is it important? Because like we said, it's globally of pandemic proportions. We are going through a pandemic, so we know how impactful it is. It disproportionately uh, proportionately affects more women than men. Not to say that men don't get abused. They do, and it's even harder for them to report. And what we've tried to do is protect privacy and it's completely in line with GDPR. So no personal information, not even your IP address is being tracked. So you can be assured that it's safe for you. And giving people all the categories of harassment really is like giving a vocabulary to your experience. So many people have told us that they didn't realize that what had happened to them was a crime. And now, you know, there, there is greater understanding because we are tracking verbal forms of harassment, digital forms of harassment, non-verbal forms of harassment, and uh, also the various physical forms. But we tend to get upset and outraged when it is the most serious forms, when it's sexual assault and rape. But on a daily basis, we let all the others slide past, normalizing it and making it part of our daily routine. And that mm -hmm. contributes to rape culture and we need to end it. Thank you so much for this elaborate insight into the work that you're doing. So just to get it right, um, that's a tool that's globally available. Yes. So basically everyone, wherever they are, they can use it. Yes. Okay. I mean, that's, that's really important also for our listeners to know, maybe if they did not heard about that tool, that wherever they are, they can just, you know, go to the show notes, go to the link and uh, get the app and uh, participate in creating safer environments. One of our latest chapters is with our member Stefan from the Fagrash Institute of Research. And they've been collecting data to make a case for stronger policies on anti-human trafficking. And our new chapter, which launches on 4th April, is with Croatia. Wow, congratulations on that. Thank you. That's amazing. I mean, it's always amazing to talk to the members and to get to know what they're working on and how much an impact their work has and how much it really tries to have a positive impact on the life quality on others and also to strengthen positive social development. This leads me to my final question, if you will, Elsa, because, um, you know, I can imagine that working on such a topic can sometimes be very hard. And I guess sometimes it can also be very frustrating. I mean, of course, it's great to have a tool where victims of sexual and gender-based violence can report what happened to them. But making it visible also shows you 
you know, shows also the horrors of what's happening. I guess I'm assuming that it also needs a, you know, sometimes you just need to have this moment where you can rely on what inspires you, what, you know, keeps you doing what you're doing. And I just want to know, like, what what keeps you doing what you're doing amidst sometimes maybe also very frustrating moments, as I assume. Social change is very slow and the issues that we're talking about are huge. So one organization, one person is never going to solve them. So I try to stay focused on what's within my power of control, in my influence of control. So I know that alone I'm never going to solve this problem. I can only do my best. That's why, you know, I like to collaborate with very unlikely partners. I like to create uh, easy to use uh, tools, make it simple for people to understand. I don't come from the women's movement. So, you know, when we started this podcast, you said language is important. But sometimes I feel language can also be, you know, very constrictive because um, if we only go by strict definitions, then we exclude people and we intimidate them instead of trying to solve the problem. So what I'm trying to say is that whatever you do, keep it simple, make it easily replicable. So like, for example, we just needed a language translation and it's easy to use in Croatia, you know. But if somebody knew English, they could use it any which way. So it's available. But what keeps me sane and focused is also, you know, being part of a community like GDL because you... I work on one problem. There are so many other members who work on different problems. And then it can be overwhelming and intimidating. But then you learn tips and tricks from your fellow members on how they are dealing with it, how they are looking at an issue. And also you learn new perspectives, you know, different uh, races, different countries, different uh, Different sectors are part of this uh, network. So for me, just having access to people like you, people like uh, Stefan or Colette in New York has widened and opened up my own work, you know, to various dimensions. So research and uh, new countries, etc. So and that to me always makes my work interesting. So it's never stale. <laughs> You know, the interesting thing for me is that I come to realize I always ask my counterparts what their source of inspiration is. And I think people like you and also my other guests, they themselves become sources of inspiration for many other people and I hope also for our listeners. So thank you so much, Elsa, for taking the time and uh, talking to us. Thank you, Khaldun. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the GDL Coffee Break podcast. Executive producers are Nele Finsel and Leah Schindler. Audio production by Thomas Reintjes. Visual design by Juli August. Music, Brett. Produced by La Crembo. This is your host Khaldun Asadi and I hope you tune in next time.